you have a Bible there, um, you can turn to the book of Ezekiel. Sometimes when you meet someone for the first time, you kind of want to get to know them, of course. You don't know where to turn, even to, to read about them. Well, if you haven't met Ezekiel before, which is quite possible, uh, it's the 26th book of 39 in the Old Testament, and I'm sure you can read it, uh, look it up in your uh, Bibles underneath the chairs and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I don't have much familiarity with Ezekiel. I mean, I grew up as a Christian, but these, these books, sometimes you just don't read and you don't study. It's not the first time I've studied it, but it's the first time I really took a, a good look at it. Sometimes you just have this uh, thing you should do. I, I wouldn't call it a bucket list, but, but uh, it's something you kind of just want to get into and, and learn something about. And um, I find it very revel relevant uh, for today's day and age. I find uh, as a Christian, I often lack strength. And I think that's a sentiment, if I, if I may say so, among uh, a lot of Christians, the strength to carry on, the strength to overcome, the strength to enjoy God for who he is, uh, the strength to enjoy forgiveness so it loosens our tongues and it makes us praise him with a full heart. And um, that is what resonated with me when I looked at Ezekiel, just his very name means God who strengthens. And we're going to share a few things, three different um, areas where God came in specifically. Just, there's more in the book of Ezekiel, but three that I've picked out this morning to look at a time when God specifically came to Ezekiel. And, he, and it's, it's termed like this, the hand of God was upon him. The hand of God was upon him. Now, the, the hand of God, God was always around him. He's always around each of us. But we know that there are some times in our lives where the hand of God specifically reaches out and touches us when we need it the most. And it's not always in the firework style that God can sometimes do. Sometimes it's at those quietest moments where God provides a sanctuary in the most unlikely place. As I read through Ezekiel, I'll just share this with you off track, but, you know, we read a lot about his sanctuary that he prepares for his people is in Jerusalem. But as we're going to read, this people were taken out of Jerusalem. Most were exiles taken into Babylon. But it says of God there that he still provided a little sanctuary in the midst of the nations. So he brought the sanctuary to them, even though they left the homeland in Jerusalem. And we're going to read about these different instances where, where, where Ezekiel is touched specifically by the hand of God. And uh, may it be our... Um, experience as Christians this morning that we would experience indeed the strengthening hand of God in our lives. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 1. We're going to look at Ezekiel now, and we're going to read the first three verses. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Joachim's captivity, that the word of the Lord came expressly 
to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Now, before I go any further, I want to just uh, talk a bit more about this notion of going against the current. This is maybe why we, we experience a strength loss, is because we're going against the current in most, most ways in our lives as Christians, aren't we? We're going to the, against the current in society um, if we live godly for Christ Jesus. Um, and even against ourselves in some ways, we might be going against ourselves with the um, different um, things that uh, so easily beset us in our lives. We go against that. And um, we go against hope sometimes as well in a hopeless situation in our lives. We're going to look at these things in more, more detail. But going against the current, any dead fish can swim with the current. It takes a real live one to swim against it. And that's where the strengthening of God comes in. These salmon here, um, they, they instinctively um, go upstream to lay their eggs, and that's, that's the way that uh, they survive every year. They begin the new birth up the stream, and they, they do this every single year. They go against the current in order to preserve life and maintain life and sustain life. <clears throat> and so what we want to do is we just want to, to see how uh, Ezekiel is strengthened to be unpopular. Now, oftentimes we want to be popular, and I get it, uh, but uh, Ezekiel is given a very unpopular task to do. And um, sometimes as Christians, to share the good news of Christ in, in our world today is unpopular, isn't it? To live for him, to set standards that he would have us set is unpopular, but Ezekiel would be strengthened to do such a thing. And then to address personal struggles in his life, um, a couple there, I mean, here's a man of God. Does he have personal struggles? Oh, yes, he does. He has personal struggles. We're going to see about that. And then also to believe in hope. Um, is there a situation that um, really breeds death or it reminds you of death, something's over? Um, well, to believe in hope. And Ezekiel would be led to that point where the hand of God was upon him in each of these three areas. So I want to just kind of look at Ephesians 3.16, though, if you want to turn to it. I, I wrote some of the verse down here. This is Paul's prayer to the Ephesians at this time, and he, he has a couple of prayers in this, in this book, but this is one of them here. He really wants them. He says, for this reason I bow, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might uh, in the inner man. And those highlighted uh, chunks of that verse there um, will find themselves expressed in, in the book of Ezekiel in three different examples that I'll show you today. But just the whole idea there, again, of, of being strengthened to, to make strong, to wax strong. Wax is an old English word that just uh, means to get big, bigger and bigger and bigger, just like the, the, the new moon goes from the new moon to the full moon. Each and every day it gets brighter and brighter and brighter, doesn't it? Uh, the moon is always there, but the sun shines on the moon more and more and more. And that's kind of like the Christian life, isn't it? To be strengthened in such a way where the Son of God shines his light in our hearts each and every day, and we become more full with him as we go on. And then it's in the inner man. Um, <clears throat> where does this strengthening start? And there's this, uh, there's this aspect of our, of, our, of our lives here that um, talk about the inner man, the way we're made up. And um, uh, Ray Steadman says this about the inner man. It's, it's not the soul, which is the reason or emotion and will, um, because this as well changes with time. Our bodies decay, the outward man perishes, 
but the inward man renews day by day. And, and, and Ray Steadman uh, from Authentic Christianity says, it's not the soul where this has the reason, emotion, and will. It's not the outer man, of course, it's the inner man. It's not in the realm of our feelings, but the deep-seated part of our life, the fundamental element of our nature. When we become brokenhearted, uh, we reach the end of ourselves, we want to give up. There's discouragement, uh, disillusionment, disappointment, and we become dispirited. And that's really what it means. Our fundamental nature is dissatisfied as it touches the deepest level of human life. This is where God begins his work of renewal and strengthening. It's not instantly a good feeling. He begins at the level of the spirit, and, and it may be nothing more than some consciousness that things are going to work out. Have you ever had that experience in your own Christian life? Where there's a lot of turmoil around you, a lot of uneasiness, a lot of uh, maybe like you're in a storm or something like that, and, and you become dispirited, dissatisfied. Your, your, your fundamental na nature of who you are becomes dispirited, and uh, it, it, it touches the very deepest portion of your being. But then God comes along and he lays his hand upon you. And, and for some reason, the peace that passes all understanding comes into that inner man and strengthens you. And this whole process, this is where God will start. And this is where he starts. He, he initiates all of this with Ezekiel. And in one of the sections that we're going to learn about is that um, there, was a, there was an image of death. In, in one of the areas where, where Ezekiel is led to. And he, and he examines that, that it should be life there, but it's death, it, it's dead. And, uh, and, and, and God will come in to strengthen his heart in that way, to remind him that it's God who generates life. And it's him that starts it. And this is where he starts that process, is in the inner man. And you know, it's according to the riches of his glory. Um, can you exhaust the riches of his glory? The, the, it's his infinite characteristics. Glory really is measureless with God. He never changes this glory. Uh, it's all about the description maybe of who God is that we read of in the Bible. And, and all the, I won't, I won't read it to you now, but the, all the description of what God is in the Bible, that comes to you and is never waning. It's never going to run out. But we find that when, when, when uh, uh, God comes to Ezekiel in the three different ways uh, that I'll mention here shortly, we see that the glory, of his, his, the glory of God surrounds him and lifts him up. And, uh, and it doesn't run out. It continues. And um, when all else is gone, uh, we're reminded that his glory uh, continues. And so God strengthens him to be <clears throat> unpopular. And this is, uh, this is why we never give up, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. And as I mentioned, the hand of the Lord upon him is a uh, phrase that's used for when God particularly comes and encourages you by laying his hand. It's a wonderful thought, the image here, the phraseology that's picked to represent God coming to do this is the hand of the Lord coming to rest upon you. And so he's, he's strengthened to be unpopular. Um, in our first uh, verse here, first section of Scripture, we see uh, 
where the, uh, the prophet is um, illuminated or visited by God. I mean, he didn't know this was coming. He was a priest in Jerusalem, and he reached about 25 years old, and he thought he was from the tribe of Levi, and he thought that this is where he was going to spend his, his vocational time, uh, working for God, uh, allowing people to worship God in the way that God had described and, 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 and written down, and this is going to be his, his lot in life. But, of course, the people there in the land were rebellious, and God had other plans for them to teach them that uh, to, to respect God, uh, they were going to be led out of Jerusalem uh, with, um, as an exile. And here he was, taken captive by Babylon, uh, placed in a Jewish colony by the river Tibar, which is Tel Aviv, modern-day Iraq. And I'm told by looking at a map as well that it would take four months to travel from uh, this place to where they are now by Tibar um, in modern-day Iraq. And, uh, you know, the, the word Shabar means uh, two different things, uh, depending on where your standpoint is. Well, if you're standing uh, as a Babylonian person, you would see the river Shabar as a, as a long, powerful, abundant river. But if you were there as a, as, a, as a Jewish exile, you might see this as a second meaning of this word. It can mean far off, far off. And so as, as the priest here, Ezekiel, is realizing that maybe his vocational calling is not what it was supposed to be, and he realizes that he's by the river Chabar and he's in a, he's in a Jewish colony, that uh, he realizes that he's far off. And he realizes the land that he left is far off, and not only that, the hearts of the people are far off. They're in a place of desolation. They're in a place where they can't fulfill the worship they want to do to God. And uh, it's been five years. We pick it up on the fifth day when, when King Jehoiachin was uh, fifth day in the fifth year of the King Jehoiachin's captivity. That means you had five years on to 25. He's 30 years old now. It had been five years since taken from their homes. And so he was in an unfamiliar place. He was afar off from God, maybe the, where God was going to use him. And Daniel had been there for 10 years already. Daniel, the prophet, was in the court of the king. He was ministering. He was representing God before the king there. But, uh, you know, really it didn't seem to come to much, maybe, um, in terms of what Ezekiel had seen. He's still seen rebelliousness in the hearts of God's people. Isaiah and Jeremiah were back in Jerusalem prophesying at that time. So people were surrounded by God's messengers, uh, in the land, outside the land, close to the king, and even all this, it seemed like the efforts were in vain. Hope was pretty much gone. In 37 verse 11, it says this, our hope is lost. And we can be in a similar situation. We can be going against the current in this way as well, as Ezekiel saw himself. And he'd be given a task then uh, that was unpopular, but he'd be prepared for this task. Obviously in himself, he didn't have any strength. And as I mentioned to you, the, we have the strength that, he come, that God comes to him in his inner man and strengthens him. Well, how does he do this? He comes to him in the strength of his, of his presence. The heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. At this point in time, Ezekiel must have thought that all hope was gone. And all of a sudden, heavens opened. 
and um, he saw visions of God, and as it describes in the rest of the chapter, it describes something that was detailed, something that was awe-inspiring. I'm not going to go through the description of, of how he saw the glory of God, but it must have been something that was just really overtaking him. And can you imagine if you saw something really, really, I'm not good at describing, I have no creativity in my mind at all, or, or words, I, I'm not a man of uh, many words. Uh, maybe my wife might think differently, but, um, you know, just to describe something that's awe-inspiring. Can you imagine him by the river Chabar, and it says he was among the captives. Hmm. But it was a specific day that God had came to him and revealed to him who he was. And he's trying to write it down to describe it. Revelation has the same thing here with John. I mean, he's trying to write down what he's seen, and he uses colors. He uses awe-inspiring depictions of who God is. There was many things going on at once, but yet it seemed to be all in order. And um, it's just moving as well. And, and, and the, the Spirit of God is moving with this whole scene. And he comes into a spot where he, he sees at the end of the chapter the appearance of the one. Let's read it there. The end of verse 20, the end of chapter 1, it says, like the appearance of a rainbow and a cloud on a rainy day. Don't you, don't you like the, um, the awesomeness of the depiction? But then he brings it right down to almost like what you see. You look out your window the last few days on a rainy day. It was like the appearance of a rainbow and a cloud on a rainy day. Like it just comes down right to our level. Hits us in the inner man. So was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. It's not something that is untouchable, that we can't assimilate with, or that, that we just see as powerful, and yet we can't touch it. It comes right down to our level. So when I saw it, it says, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. The first thing that we see to strengthen his heart, the hand of the Lord comes upon him in terms of giving him a vision. He hasn't given him a task yet. He's going to give him a very unpopular task. But he doesn't mention this. He prepares him, and this is how he strengthens him. He comes to his inner man and shows him his presence. And then we have in verse 2, in verse sorry, 3, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest expressly. Expressly. Expressly means, again, that the conscious assurance, conscious assurance of God's word. I mean, I've grown up as a Christian all my life, and I've, I've known John 3.16 probably since about, I don't know, age five or six. But there are still some ways in some cases that in life or in the gathering of the church, someone gets up and says something, someone sings a song, that that, that verse comes back to me and really resonates with me. I'm sure that is your experience as well. As, you, as you've read certain verses your whole life, there's sometimes in our life where the word of God comes expressly and it hits really powerfully in your heart and it's resonating with that inner man and it's renewing that inner man within us and it's, and it's giving us assurance as it gave to Ezekiel here that, you know what, I'm coming here to support my presence with my word. And so that's what happens in our life. We, we feel the presence of the Lord, but really we, we read in his word where his word comes to us in a very special way at that moment to give us strength. 
And, and also later on in the chapter, we're not going to refer to these verses, but you can find them. He, he says in chapter 3, verse 1, this is what I want you to do with the word. I want you to eat it. I want you to fill your stomach with it. I want you to be full of my word. In chapter 3, verse 10, he says this. He wants to, us to receive his word into our hearts. And so as he's sitting by the river Chabar with the, the other captives in, in the plight that he's in, God comes to him to reveal his presence, and he comes with his word, and he says, I want you to feast on my word. I want you to dwell on it. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to fill your stomach with it. I want you to, first of all, receive it into your heart before you can do anything for me. I know you had a plan before of a priest, but I want you to do something else which you don't know, but I'm going to prepare your heart, and I'm going to get you now to receive it into your heart. Receive it into your heart. So that's the second thing. If you want to become something that God uses, someone that, that God uses. And I'm, I'm not talking like always overseas. No, in your own home, at work, in the present situation that you're in, witnessing to your neighbor everything. That, that allow God to come to you and, and speak to your heart expressly and receive it into your heart. That's the first stage. Then what we have the next point here is stand on your feet. So uh, chapter 2, verse 2, let's read that verse. And he said to me, son of man, after he saw the vision, he fell on his face. And then the Spirit of God, here's the Spirit of God, been strengthened by your spirit in the inner man. Stand on your feet. Son of man, stand on your feet. In verse 1, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me. He's down on the ground in worship. But then he says, no, stand up on your feet. You're ready now. In our own individual lives, outside of a task that we're given by God, there's also this element of being spirit-driven to live our lives first and foremost to him. And then he will take care of what he's given you to do. But here again, he strengthens Ezekiel for what he will realize is a very unpopular task. And so it... it um, we go on to the next verse here. We talk about the next little thing. I am sending you now. So he is ready to be sent in verse 9. He's ready to be sent in verse 3. Sorry, I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation in verse 3 that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. <clears throat> and so he would be sent from... Uh, the, the job that he was doing, the word of God speaking to him, and then the spirit was driving him to do this. Now he was ready to challenge the current flow of uh, the negativity around God and the place that they were in. Surely God was getting the blame for being in the place that they were in. And so um, God was strengthening him with his hand upon this to come to a people who God would say, you know what, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to you. And isn't it hard sometimes to be able to um, introduce God to someone? I mean, right away, there's almost a wall that goes up. And so we're going against the flow, aren't we? Well, no matter how old you are here today as a Christian, God wants us to tell us, tell, uh, God wants us to tell others about him. And this is going to be unpopular. May God give us the strength to be unpopular. 
And uh, I, I get it. We want to be popular people, but sometimes there's that thing that has to be said on behalf of God that's going to be unpopular. May you experience the hand of the Lord on you to strengthen you in this way. So let's just look at three, chapter 3, verse 14 now. Chapter 3, 14. This is another indication that God comes to, another instance where God comes to um, Ezekiel, and he lays his hand upon him. Um, just some of those verses there. I will just skip over for the sake of time. And uh, in this instance here, let's read it. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Wait a minute. This is a, this is a man of God. This is a priest. He has bitter feelings. He has feelings of anger. This is a man of God. He shouldn't have those things, right? Well, here we, we see it, that the Spirit lifted him up and took him away. Took him away from what? Well, let's back up to verse 12. And the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. He's taken from a place where he's received many blessings from God, and he's in a place where God is, is seen. He's taken from that place. God says, well, I want you to go and talk to these people. And he's saying, no, I don't want to go talk to these people. They have disrespect to God. They have an intolerance for God. They blame God for things, and yet you want me to leave this place of glory and this enlightenment, and you want me to go and do that job. And the Spirit takes him away and takes him to that other place where he's now, where is he? It says that he came to the captives. And I sat where they sat in verse 15. Then I came to the captives at Tel Aviv, who dwelt by the river Chibar, and I sat where they sat. I remained there astonished among them for seven days. Sometimes if there's ever a remedy for a bitter heart, do the things of God. Well, maybe we better go and sit where the people we're ministering to sit. And that could be anybody. It could be of the church, it could be of the community, could be at school, at work. You're going to sit where they sit. But, but I like to be in this glory place, Lord. Well, the Spirit lifted him up to that place, but he also took him away from that place and, and, and sat him down by the captives. And he was there for seven days. Uh, you know, that's according to a priest in those days. That was a day of testing, of, of evaluation, of reflection. And, you know, after this, he, he was astonished. He was astonished. That means he was overwhelmed. And there's different thoughts about why he was overwhelmed. I think that he was identifying with them. Because God is asking Ezekiel to do something. He strengthens him, and, and, and he is now in bitterness and anger. I, I don't want to do that. And uh, there's a, an element of rebelliousness there, isn't there? Meanwhile, he's looking at the children of Israel who got him in this place because they behaved the way they did in Jerusalem. They were then made to be exiles, he included. And he thought maybe he should be left out because there was different phases of the exiles. The first phase, Daniel went, and the second phase, Ezekiel went, and there were still some left in Jerusalem. Why was I taken, God? It's these people's fault. But the Spirit of God 
took him to the place where he was with them. He sat down among them. He sat where they sat. And I think that that's one of the remedies for looking at our own hearts uh, to see if there'd be any wicked way in me, oh God, and to see that I'm not too far from them at times, right? In the heart of hearts. And um, this is a remedy for the wrong attitude, perhaps, if we sit where the people are, <clears throat> where God has sent us to minister to, and uh, just reflect where they are, and really, you know, that's where we are. We come to worship the Lord on the Sunday morning. We come to remember Him. And we read of different uh, people in the, uh, the Bible that kind of had a rebellious heart towards God. I put myself right there. There are times where I become bitter. <clears throat> there are times where I become angry, maybe, and discontented uh, with the way that things are going. And I'm talking about just uh, dealing with uh, things in general, my own life or other people. And um, you could say, <clears throat> well, I mean, maybe the Lord can't use me then. Well, you know what? Verse 14, the Spirit of God didn't abandon Ezekiel. He took him, and the hand of the Lord was strong upon him. Put him where he needed to be to learn something about the way his own heart is. And as we learn how our own heart is, now God, Come into that area that is perhaps as maybe a dead area in our lives as Christians. And he wants to come into that inner man and by his spirit, by his glory that never runs out. He wants to create that little shoot that is rising out from, from deadness. We read of that this morning, Isaiah 53. The nation of Israel was dry. It was dead. But Christ was seen as a tender shoot that would come out of that deadness. And so with us, is there anything in us that is maybe on fallow ground? Any aspect of us? That's, where, that's what he's learning about here. I think Ezekiel is learning about this, about how to um, go against the tendencies or our wrong attitudes that we can have at times. And then we come to this one here. Let's share a few verses here, I think. He makes him a watchman, just before I go on to the third point. And the watchman is one who would then say something to some people on behalf of God to warn them. Indeed, we have that responsibility in our lives. And I just kind of notice here, too, as I read through that chapter, it's, it's to the unrighteous, those who disrespect God, and those who respect God, it's to the unrighteous and the righteous basically. Um, and then we have the hand of the Lord was upon me there. Uh, maybe I'll just mention that uh, <clears throat> in verse 23. We see that Ezekiel was uh, guided by God and corrected with his own attitudes and feelings. In verse 23, he says this, um, so I rose and went out into the plain and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there. And in verse 22, it says the hand of the Lord was upon him there. So he comes to the plain, saw the glory of the Lord, like the glory which I saw by the river Chabar, and I fell on my face. Boy, in that, in that, that dryness, as he was among the captives, that's where he first saw 
the amazing revelation of God, and to a priest that would be crazy, that God would directly reveal himself to him at that point. But here's something even crazier, that his holy, that his, 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 his that glory does not run out. And it comes back to him in this point. Well, surely I've ruined it now, God. Surely, yes, I've learned my lesson, but um, I don't know if that'll ever happen to me again where I'm impressed with the way God comes to me and ministers to my soul. Well, he was down off his feet. Verse 24, then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet again. And the strengthening of God is, will never, the, the ability for God to strengthen us will never cease. And um, here Ezekiel is realizing that, that you know, what, what happened to him in one case was able to, be, to happen again. And he could depend on that. In verse 23, the, the glory of the Lord came to him again by the river, which I saw by the river Tabar. He was in a different place, but it was just like then. And uh, I fell on my face. And look at how the Spirit of God works. Isn't that encouraging? I mean, as the Spirit of God sets him on his feet again. And uh, I just uh, forgot to make that point out of my slides here today. So then we come to the third thing here. And God strengthened him to believe in hope. Ezekiel 37, please. Ezekiel 37. We come to an amazing, fairly well-known section of Ezekiel where Ezekiel is made to pass by and through the valley of dead bones. Let's read this here in verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me. Here is God coming into him again and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. We have the spirit involvement again and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And so <clears throat> we see that the Spirit of God takes him down. God himself takes him to this valley. But of all the places, sometimes it's not, all the, it's not to the glory of God, but it's to definitely, we saw in our hearts maybe, but we see also... Uh, Maybe the other situations where, where deadness might exist, right? And, and maybe Ezekiel didn't realize how bad it really was. So the Spirit of God had to work with him to bring him to this place, to bring him to the valley, to make him realize that, yes, the nation of Israel was grand and it was God's people, but this is the way it really is. And I read this verse, reference to it anyways, in verse 11. They indeed said, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. So he's trying to make him realize, trying to teach him something about the situation. And it says that he caused me to pass by them all around. He led me to take a very close look at the situation. And there were very many in the open valley. And so, as I, I know this primary applications to the nation of Israel, and one day they will be restored. It's amazing to think about all the things that we're hearing of today. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I know that God will bring them back together again, some way, some form. And they all will say, they will know that I am the Lord. This is what Ezekiel keeps saying throughout this whole book. 
They will realize that he is the Lord. I don't know how it's all going to happen, but I know what's going to happen. But in a secondary application, can we not take it to ourselves? If you know that something's wrong in your, maybe, I don't mean to create any guilt trips here, but maybe something is just quite not right in your Christian life. Maybe, maybe it is, we heard on Tuesday night, maybe it is that, that there's dryness or there's not that joy of God in our lives. Something has taken it away. Can we be daring as to say, Holy Spirit, take me to the place that's wrong and, uh, and, and cause me to walk through it, cause me to pass by it very closely? Is there something wrong? Could there be something dead? And so Ezekiel is amazed by the open valley, and he says this as well, indeed, they were very dry. There was no shadow of a doubt that they were dead, and they had been dead a long time. I wonder if there's something that has been dead for a while in our Christian lives. I don't know. Um, but Ezekiel says that they're very dry. Then God says, can these bones live? And so you can see the whole picture there, this this, this more than convincing state of death. And for a priest, all these bones had an improper burial. They were just thrown there and that's it. So it was a lot of dishonor and uh, a lot of uh, amazement through, with, through the eyes of a priest that this was done. But uh, it takes him by surprise to some extent. And then God says to him, can these bones live? Can something of life come out of this? And he's challenging him. Where does God start in the recovery process? Well, he starts first, and he comes to the inner man. He is strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. And he says here in response to that, oh, Lord God, you know. You know. And so he just says, I can't do it, God, but you can. And so that's his response. And... Um, he allows God to do the work that only he can do. And so what did he do in verse uh, 7 of 37? So I prophesied and as I was commanded, and I prophesied, and there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling. The bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. What a scene that he's seen. But what a, what a God that we have to, to orchestrate all this in front of him. I mean, we, we still we watch movies that are, are all, of, not about this, but just kind of impress us with imagery and and, uh, and uh, high-tech stuff and everything else. Well, imagine he's in exile and he's seeing this in his vision. And uh, he's, God is, is impressing upon him the way it works. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon him. The skin covered them over, but there was no breath in him. And he said to him, prophecy to the breath, prophecy, son of man. Say to the breath, thus saith the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. That they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me in verse 10, and breath came into them, and they lived. Look at verse 14. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. This morning, some of our theme was about living. I am he that liveth, the Lord said, and was uh, I am he that liveth and was dead, and I'm alive forever. And as Ezekiel passes through this valley of dead bones, God says, is it dead? Yes, it's dead. How long has it been dead? Well, God, it looks like it's been dead for a long time. 
And God says, well, can you make these bones live? No, I can't, God. I can, he says. I want you to say this. And so, if we, command, if we follow the same thing based on his word, um, there can be life that begins to develop. Life doesn't happen overnight. The spirit of God as it works happens in stages. And uh, they lived. They stood upon their feet. And it says here in verse 10, So I prophesied, and the breath came into them. They lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Hmm. An exceedingly great army. That's what happens as our outward body decays and the Spirit of God comes into our inner man and strengthens it day by day. We, we become stronger in Him. And thanks be to God for that. And uh, we shall live. Now, I just put this here as we close. Um, sometimes I've been cutting down some trees at my house. Now, I haven't gotten to this spot. Like, I cut down probably an acre of trees and big ones. And I like doing that. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of hard work. But what you don't want to see is the tree growing again, right? I mean, then you got to cut it down again. But I am impressed. There's enough sap in the root system, apparently, to start another tree. And this is where the source of life comes from. And it's not in ourselves to muster up ways in which we can think about how to, to live our Christian lives. That's not where the source comes from. If there's been deadness in our Christian lives in some extent that we need life again, we depend on the source of God. We need to pray to the Holy Spirit of God to come and, and, and make this live. And out of deadness, out of something cut off, there is life. We see these shoots here growing up again, and that's what Christ did, isn't he? He's going to be seen in the nation of Israel who is dead as that tender shoot that grows up in the midst of them, and he will call them to himself and give them a new spirit and a new heart to live with him someday, gathered in their own land, and restore that relationship. And if we want revival in our own lives, we must walk among the dead. We must take God at his word and almost have a foolish confidence in his word. We must realize that the work of the Spirit is absolutely essential and is a process. So pray for the Spirit to move in our lives. And then watch out, because you'll be an army of service for God. And then we'll also teaches us, revival also teaches us that never say that hope is lost. Never say that hope is lost. And so um, God strengthened him to uh, be unpopular. God strengthened him to, sorry, be, to address his personal struggles in his life. And God also addressed the uh, current that was against him that was death and to believe in hope. Shall we pray? Our God and Father, we thank you for this word from Ezekiel, Lord. And as we live our Christian life, some of us have been living the life for a while. Some of us not too long. Maybe some of us need to realize that, that the way that God sees us is that we're, 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 we're dead in our trespasses and sins, and we need to be made alive <clears throat> to you. And maybe a new birth needs to happen there. But Lord, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, and it's, it says that it's a powerful being. It's God himself, and sometimes it just doesn't seem to create that life that we want. We'd ask your Holy Spirit to come and show us the areas that we're dead in and to bring it to life. And we might see the Spirit of God really touching us to renew the joy 
impressiveness that we have with God and for obedience for his name's sake to make us that unpopular person to make us that we can deal with our setbacks that we often feel with in our own lives and also to deal to be to be hoping against hope in situations that we feel are hopeless and so God just strengthen us as we pray be with us and thank you for your comfort and your glory which never fails I pray these things in Jesus name amen